testing. All right, how's everybody doing today? Hotep. All right, let's get this started. Hotep, how's everybody doing? Hey, this is Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, and writer. So it is Thursday, December 19th, 2019, and we are live. Uh, everybody share this broadcast on your Facebook page, invite your friends to tune in. And uh, I'm broadcasting from my second laptop, my backup laptop, because I'm having problems with my, with my main laptop. So I have to uh, right, get on the, uh, I got to get on the phone with customer service and figure this out. Okay, so uh, what I have been telling people was going to happen, happened on December 18th, 2019. Donald John Trump, the, he's really the 44th president, not the 45th president, because Stephen Grover Cleveland was elected to two non-consecutive terms as president. So there have only been 44 U.S. presidents under the US Constitution. I know people like to call them 45, but since starting with George Washington, there have not been 45 presidents, there have been 44. So if you count starting with George Washington all the way to uh, Benedict Donald, there have been 44 presidents. But anyway, he became the third president to uh, be impeached by the US House of Representatives, okay? So how's everybody doing? So share this broadcast. So I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna talk more in-depth about this on my Sunday night show, the African History Network show, uh, which is on Sundays, 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But I'm going to deal with this a little bit here and deal with a little bit, uh, dealing with the impeachment process and what's next, the, the trial in the U.S. Senate. Because unfortunately, a lot of our people don't understand history or law and don't understand the U.S. Constitution, things like this, right? So we're going we're gonna to jump into this, okay? Then also African-American business owners post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. And we'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network. Our current promotion, uh, buy one month, get two months free. Email us at customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com. Customerservice at africanhistorynetwork.com. So going back to January of 2017, okay? If you follow my show... You listen to me on 910 AM, the Superstation WFDF in Detroit. Uh, you follow me uh, on my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel, or Facebook, the African History Network. Going back to January 2017, I've been saying that Donald Trump was going to be impeached. Okay? And, and when I said that, that was before Democrats took back control of the House of Representatives in the November 2018 midterm elections. I was predicting in January 2017, when he took the oath of office, January 20th, 2017, that he would be impeached because I was warning our people and other people, anybody who listened, I was warning us about Trump before the 2016, November 8th, 2016 election. I was warning him about things I was researching, his behaviors, etc. Okay, so he... Uh, he really impeached himself, actually, if you want to uh, <laughs> be honest. Nancy Pelosi was correct. She said he was going to self-impeach. Uh, he actually did. It was his own actions, okay? How's everybody doing? Martisha, Gigi, Riley, John Ray, how's everybody doing? Okay, so 
Let's look at this article here from um, uh, NBCNews.com. I'm, I'm going to look at a few articles that I've been reading here. And uh, I was watching a lot of the proceedings uh, yesterday uh, dealing with this in the House of Representatives. Trump impeached by the House for abuse of power, obstruction of justice. Trump impeached by the House for abuse of power, uh, obstruction of justice. All right. So for the for the third time in the nation's history, the House of Representatives voted to impeach a sitting president acting after a day-long debate on whether Donald Trump violated his oath of office and pressuring Ukraine to damage a political opponent. Yes, he did violate his oath of office, but he, but that he has no integrity, so that doesn't mean anything to him. So Trump was impeached on two articles. The first vote was 230 to 197. That was the uh, article of abuse of power, and, was, and it was almost entirely along party lines. Um, it was followed quickly by a second vote, which was uh, 229 to 198, and that was uh, the, uh, on the second article of impeachment accusing him of obstructing Congress, obstructing Congress in their investigation. Okay, so the, the one vote difference was that of Democrat Jared Golden of Maine, who voted yes on abuse of power and no on obstruction of justice. So you had 31 um, you have 31 Democrats who, in the mid, in the November 2018 midterm elections, won seats in districts that uh, Donald Trump won in 2016. So there was some uh, speculation of who was going to side with Trump because they are in Trump districts, etc. But almost all of them voted to impeach him. Okay. Now we know Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii, a Democrat, and she's running for president, don't know why, but she's running for president. Uh, she voted present as opposed to uh, actually voting to impeach him. She's a nut, just to put it bluntly, she's a nut, okay? And she's not going to be on the debate stage uh, for the next debate, and good. Okay, so she, uh, some people speculate, some people speculate that, um, well, I'm not going to say that, okay. Anyway. Right. So no Republicans voted against Donald Trump. However, we do know that former Republican Representative Justin Amash of uh, Michigan, who left the Republican Party and became an independent. We know he voted to impeach Donald Trump. OK, so when Republicans say this was not bipartisan, that's not true. It was bipartisan. They did not count Justin Amash, who is an independent. It was bipartisan. So no Republicans voted against Trump. Two Democrats, Jeff Van Drew of New Jersey, who is expected to lead the Democratic Party and join the Republican Party, uh, and also Colin Peterson of Minnesota, voted with Republicans against both articles uh, of impeachment. Now, the trial in the Republican-controlled U.S. Senate on whether to remove uh, Donald Trump from office will likely begin in January. January 2020, it is likely that uh, Trump will be acquitted. This, based upon, this is what all the prognosticators are saying. He's going to be acquitted in the U.S. Senate because it takes 67 votes in the Senate to convict. However, there, there are going to be some hurdles that have to that they have to jump over. 
Okay, and I'm going to get into some of this. The other thing is, is even if Trump is acquitted in the U.S. Senate, he's, he still goes down as an impeached president, just like Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was impeached December 19, 1998. He was acquitted and he was, he was impeached by the U.S. House of Representatives. He was acquitted in the U.S. Senate. Being acquitted in the U.S. Senate does not remove that permanent stain on you of being impeached. There is a permanent stain on Trump forever as an impeached president. And rightfully so. He deserves every bit of it. So, uh, now we know that Nancy Pelosi uh, said uh, Wednesday, and then she did a press conference uh, today, stating that um, she talked about a delay in sending over the articles of impeachment because the Senate has to determine what the rules are for the trial and she needs to know who the managers of the trial of the for the for the Democrats who the managers are going to be uh, in the Senate the managers are going to be the ones who actually prosecute the case in the Senate so based upon what the rules are that determines who she picks to actually prosecute the case okay so this this was a for some people this was an unforeseen hurdle now if you've been watching if you've been watching uh, uh, the last word with Lawrence O'Donnell on MSNBC or if you've been watching Joanne Reed's show uh, AM Joy on MSNBC Harvard law professor Lawrence Tribe was the first one who said that Democrats can convict Trump in the House of Representatives I'm sorry Democrats can impeach Trump in the House of Representatives and they could not send over the articles of impeachment to the US Senate so there would be no trial in the Senate because there's nothing in the Constitution stating that the House of Representatives has to send over the articles of impeachment to the US Senate there's nothing in the, in the Constitution saying that they have to do that so theoretically they could theoretically Nancy Pelosi who controls this because she's the Speaker of the House of Representatives theoretically she could just decline now they probably would not do that because that would be unfair and then that deprives the Senate from their constitutional obligation to hold to to hold a trial in the Senate once the articles of impeachment have been sent over but there's nothing stating that the House of Representatives has to send over the articles of impeachment if you if you understand what I'm saying okay so uh, I'm gonna get to this in, in just a second because the reason why one of the reasons why Nancy Pelosi is saying this and some other Democrats in leadership are saying this uh, Steny Hoyer representative Steny Hoyer who um, is the majority leader and uh, the reason why some of some of them are saying this is because both because uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has already said that he's not going to be impartial okay he's already pushing for a short trial he's pushing for an acquittal he, he's already telegraphing this he was on he was interviewed by Sean Hannity on Fox News uh, last Thursday and he said basically there's no way that uh, the president is going to be uh, uh, found guilty in the US Senate he said he basically said he didn't want any witnesses things like this right then we also know that um, 
Senator Lindsey Graham as well. Senator Lindsey Graham said he didn't want any witnesses. He said that uh, he, he's basically also said Senator Lindsey Graham uh, uh, said that he's not going to be impartial, etc. Now, they take the, 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 all of the U.S. senators, whether they're Democrat, Republican, or independent, like Senator Angus King and Senator Bernie Sanders, who's it, who isn't independent until it's time to run for president. This is so. This is so. This is not an attack on Bernie Sanders, but this is the truth. Bernie Sanders is an independent until it's time to run for president. When it's time to run for president, then he becomes a Democrat. Now it is true that Bernie Sanders votes with Democrats the majority of the time, but no, but Bernie Sanders is a is a registered independent. When you go to his when you go to his Senate page, because all members of the U.S. Senate have a page on Senate.gov. Senate.gov is the official website of the U.S. Senate. When you go to his Senate page, it says he's an independent. When he runs, when he wants to run for president, he joins the Democratic Party. When he ran in 2016, he joined the Democratic Party. Then he went back to the Senate. He went back to being an independent. Now he's running again for president, so now he joins the Democratic Party. Now he's a Democrat again. I know he said Democratic Socialist, but now he's a Democrat again. Okay? So we'll see if he loses, will he go back to being an independent? But that's that's another conversation. Okay, I just find that very interesting though. But in the US Senate, the jurors, because this is a a type of a trial, it's not a criminal trial. Okay? It's not a criminal trial. So no one is going to go to prison even though Trump should, but no one's going to go to prison here. It's a type of trial. The jurors are the U.S. Senators. They take an oath to be impartial at the beginning of the trial. Okay, This is on top of the oath that they take when they're sworn in to be a U.S. Senator to defend the Constitution against enemies both foreign and domestic. Okay, Just like they do in the House of Representatives. They take that oath. But in the Senate, before the impeachment trial, they take a, an additional oath to be impartial. Well, Mitch McConnell and Senator Lindsey Graham have basically already said they're going to violate that oath because they're not going to be impartial. So this is what's causing apprehension here with Nancy Pelosi. But I'll get to that in just a second here. Okay, Read the article from Yahoo.com. So this past Sunday on my show, the African History Network show, I dealt with this and I played the I played the clip of Mitch McConnell being interviewed by uh, by uh, Sean Hannity on Fox News. OK, and let me just say this quickly here. Eric, how, how's everybody doing? We got Ethel. We had Dupree and uh, Inez. Just bear with me a little bit because this is not the laptop I normally broadcast on my main laptop, which I've only had a year. It's a Hewlett Packard. I'm having problems with it. So this is my backup laptop. So things are a little off for me here. OK. So just bear with me. I got to get this main laptop fixed, okay? Um, but go watch the broadcast I did, uh, my December 15th, 2019 broadcast of the African History Network show, okay? We have it here on Facebook, and it's on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel, all right? And I, and I get into, I, I, I deal with the, um, I deal with the interview that Mitch McConnell did. Mitch McConnell bragged, Senate, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Senator of Kentucky, bragged about blocking President Obama's 
federal judge nominations and he bragged about blocking uh, President Obama's nomination for uh, U.S. Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Merrick Garland, okay? Read this article from Yahoo.com and I'll post a link here when we're done. Mitch McConnell brags about blocking Obama uh, for two years, then laughs about it. And in this interview on Fox News, now you got to keep in mind, this was not a private telephone conversation that Sean Hannity was having with Mitch McConnell. This was an interview on Fox News, okay? Sean Hannity said, quote, I was shocked that former, Obama, that former President Obama left so many vacancies and didn't try to fill uh, those positions, okay? He's talking about vacancies on the federal bench because there were about 103 vacancies for federal judgeships on the federal bench when President Obama left office. Obama didn't leave those vacancies so, uh, so much as he was blocked from filling them by a GOP-controlled Senate led by Mitch McConnell, okay? So Mitch McConnell talked about how he blocked them. He, he, uh, Mitch McConnell talked about how he blocked them. He said, quote, I'll tell you why. I was in charge of what we did the last two years of the Obama administration. Okay, so Sean Hannity says, I will give you full credit for that, and by the way, take a bow. Okay, so McConnell, in this interview, is bragging about blocking these federal judge nominations that President Obama made. And President Obama also nominated African-American women to be federal judges as well. These federal judge nominations, these positions are lifetime appointments. So Donald Trump has gotten 174 federal judges confirmed he's nominated now one quarter of the federal judges these are lifetime appointments okay and what they're and what they're doing is with the help of uh moscow mitch mcconnell in the u.s senate see this is how elections have consequences we all understand this this is how elections have consequences they're changing the landscape of the federal bench this all has to do with 2043 the year 2043 when there will be there will, there, where there will be no one uh, race or ethnic group that's the majority population in this country, white people will not be a majority population in this country is predicted by demographers by 2043. So you have some people, some white people who fear this, and what Republicans are doing is because they see that they have a declining population, because. Uh, uh, white people have a negative birth rate in 26 states out of 50. That's not me. That's the U.S. Census Bureau. Okay? 26 states out of 50. If we look at the article from the New York Times, fewer births uh, than deaths. Um, this is from the New York Times. This came out in, uh, I think it was uh, 2018 or 2019. We'll pull up this article. Uh, this talks about the information from the, the, the information from the U.S. Census Bureau that came out in June of 2018 that revealed that white people have a negative birth rate in 26 states out of 50. Two years before that, in 2016, it was 17 states out of 50. And one of the things that really contributes to this is the opioid addiction. So because you have uh, right-wingers, because you have Republicans who see that they have a, a negative birth rate they're losing population, and the Republican Party is a shrinking party. It's not a growing party. It's a shrinking party. What they want to do is they want to control the courts 
for the next 25, 30, 35, 40 years. Because the U.S. Supreme Court, those nominations, those, conf those confirmations are for life. And the federal judge, the federal judge uh, uh, ships, that's for life. So they're nominating, Trump is nominating ultra-conservative federal judges, most of them white males, that are 37, 38, 39 years old. So they can be on the federal bench for the next 40 years. If they're 37, they can be there, they can be there to the 77, 78, 79, 80 years old. It's a lifetime appointment. All right? Um, read this article from the New York Times. Fewer births than deaths among whites in majority of U.S. states. New York Times, June 20th, 2018. Okay? Uh, the Census Bureau has projected that whites could drop below 50% of the population around the year 2045, a relatively slow-moving change that has been years in the making. But a new report this week found that whites are dying faster than they are being born and now, and now 26 states, up from 17 just two years earlier, and demographers say that shift might come even sooner. So... This, this is what this is all about. This is about the fear of the browning of America. That's what this is all about. And Trump is getting these, he's getting the names for these nominations from the Federalist Society and the Heritage Foundation, two very ultra right wing conservative organizations. Okay? So back in 2016, when I, I was seeing dozens of interviews with various Trump supporters, they said, and, and, and people who were going to vote for Trump, you had hardcore Trump supporters, but you had some people who were reluctantly voting for Trump because they saw him as the person to fulfill their agenda. After the other Republican candidates were knocked off, Jeb Bush and Ted Cruz and uh, some of the other ones, right? They ended up with Trump, but they saw Trump as fulfilling their agenda. Their agenda was to, to get control of the courts. They said this is about the courts. They said this is about the U.S. Supreme Court. They said this is about overturning Roe versus Wade, 1973 U.S. Supreme Court decision. They said this is about the federal courts. So many African Americans, we don't understand anything like that. They're planning 25, 30, 35 years in advance. Many of us don't even understand that. So when, they, so when we talk about our issues, we ain't even talking about the courts. We don't even understand the impact that this has. And don't understand that, when you, when you, that if you go to the federal courts and then the uh, federal courts of appeal, which is the level below the U.S. Supreme Court, one out, of, one, of, one out of four judges have been nominated by Trump. And they were selected because they hold values to push the Trump agenda. So when you deal with things like uh, collective bargaining for unions, when you deal with affirmative action in colleges, when it goes through the court system and the appeals court and goes to the U.S. Supreme Court, one out of four judges have been nominated by Trump. We don't understand anything like this. See, this is how elections have consequences. All right. And then we just saw that the we, we just saw that the uh, mandate in uh, the Affordable Health Care Act was just struck down in court. I'm not sure who nominated that judge, but this all deals with law. Okay, 
So politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, the adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. All right, so this is what, this is what the game is. So Mitch McConnell, Fox News, Donald Trump, all this, they're gaining, they're focusing on gaining control of the courts because this is all about the fear of the browning of America. All right, now I'm not saying all white people fear the browning of America, but a lot of them do, okay, for various reasons. And Fox News, Fox News and right-wing and right -wing conservative talk radio is helping to fuel a lot of this fear and demonization of African Americans, demonization of Hispanics, non-white people, okay? The Laura Ingrams, the Mark Levins, the Rush Limbaugh's, the Sean Hannity's, okay? The Tucker Carlson's, okay? Right-wing conservative radio and right-wing and right -wing conservative uh, TV, uh, uh, cable news, especially Fox News. All right, so, all right, let's continue here. So minutes before the vote on Wednesday night, Wednesday, uh, December 18th, Trump took to the stage at a campaign rally in Battle Creek, Michigan. I saw that. I mean, that was deplorable. That was despicable. Then he attacked Representative John Dingell, who, who's, who's deceased, okay, and I mean, he 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 just has no he he has no morality. He has no decency, anything like this. And he's thin-skinned because if somebody attacks him, okay, his feelings get hurt. But you you attacking you attacking Representative John Dingle, who's dead, okay, who was the longest-serving member the longest-serving member of the House of Representatives. He served like 54 years, and you're in his state that he served. Okay, and also he actually served in the military as well because you were too much of a coward to serve in the military. That's why you got five deferments because you're too much of a coward to go fight in the Vietnam War. But that's that's a, that's another conversation. But uh, hours before the vote, Speaker Nancy Pelosi took to the House floor to say it was imperative to impeach a president for the first time in decades because Trump is, quote, an ongoing threat to our national security and the integrity of our elections, end quote. And she's, she's correct on that. If you look at the, uh, so the 658-page report came out a couple of days ago, the, the report from the House of Representatives, uh, from the House Judiciary Committee, uh, dealing with impeachment. And they talked about how Donald Trump is a clear and present danger, okay? And Donald Trump is the president that the founding fathers were feared, okay, who would be influenced by a foreign power. Okay, so Nancy Pelosi said, quote, it is an established fact that uh, the president violated the Constitution. Uh, Nancy Pelosi says, standing next to a sign with uh, a U.S. flag that quoted a line from the Pledge of Allegiance, quote, to the republic for which it stands. Now, emotions ran high inside the Capitol ahead of the vote with Democrats and Republicans accusing one another of acting in bad faith during the 10-hour debate. And I saw a lot of it. You know, a lot of Republicans just lying. And when you watch a lot of the, a lot of the Republicans, the Jim Jordans, Jordans the Louis Gohmerts, uh, Kevin McCarthy spoke yesterday as well. When you watch a lot of the Republicans, they were largely complaining about the process. Because they couldn't... They, 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 it, they couldn't really debate on the facts. And the other thing was Chris Matthews on MSNBC pointed this out after 
the whole uh, after the uh, hearing after the 10-hour debate he said none of the Republicans stood up for Trump and said he's a good man he's a decent man uh, he has good character things like this none of them stood up for Trump to say something like that all right so now Democrat so when we look at uh, I, I, I talked about this so I encourage people to read the uh, articles of impeachment okay it's uh, nine pages and I have them here let's see here and I have them here you can get them from NBCnews.com CBSnews.com ABCnews.go.com Washington Post New York Times um, so I encourage people to read the articles of impeachment because it really explains a lot of this but Democrats accused their counterparts of willfully turning a blind eye to Donald Trump's misdeeds, and they and they are in public now behind closed doors. They tell you they 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 would say they know he's wrong, but they're afraid that he'll tweet about them if they come out and have a backbone, okay, and and call him out on his stuff. They're they're afraid that um, uh, they they would be primaried. They're afraid because he has 64 million Twitter followers, Twitter followers, that. Um, their constituents will turn against them and vote them out of office. Now, half his Twitter followers are probably Russian bots. There's, I wouldn't be surprised, okay? But still, you know, he, do, he does have a lot of Twitter followers. And it's even worse when they keep writing articles about the stupid stuff he keeps tweeting about, okay? Because he gets, he reaches people that don't even follow him on Twitter. He reaches people that don't even use social media. But, it's better to stand up for principles and stand up and stand up because you took an oath to defend the Constitution against enemies both foreign and domestic. It's better to stand up and defend that than try to protect your job. If you lose your seat on principle, just go get another job. If you lose your seat standing up for principles, then just go get another job. People will respect you more for that. Therefore, you to, to be an accomplice to a traitor. So Democrats accused their counterparts of willfully turning a blind eye to Donald Trump's misdeeds. They, say, they said there was ample evidence that Trump had abused his power by pressuring Ukraine to announce investigations into former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden while withholding $391 million in aid and that he had obstructed Congress by refusing to release documents related to his act to, to his actions. But not only that, not only did he not release any documents, and these were documents that were subpoenaed, but also there were twelve uh there were twelve people that were subpoenaed to testify. And he's blocking them from testifying also, including people who were on the call, like Secretary of State Mike Mike Pompeo, acting chief of staff uh Mick Mulvaney but also former, uh, former National Security Advisor John Bolton has been subpoenaed as well. So Trump is blocking people who have information from testifying. So you have to ask the question, why? Because if you are claiming your innocence and there are witnesses who can prove that you're innocent, why wouldn't you want them to testify? Unless it's something that you're trying to hide. So Representative Jim McGovern, Democrat from Massachusetts, said, quote, the president withheld congressionally approved military aid to Ukraine, a country under siege 
not to fight corruption, but to extract a personal political favor. He's correct. Especially if you read, if you read the, uh, the July 25th uh, memorandum of the call. And let me just say this again. I said this Sunday night on the show. Let me, let me just say this again. Because some people haven't figured this out. All right. And where is, uh, I've got the memorandum of the call here. So I see people wearing a T-shirt that says read the transcript. But when you actually, so when you actually read what they're calling a transcript, it's not a transcript, it's a memorandum of a call. I posted about that on Facebook today. So when you actually read this, you can get this on NBCNews.com, okay? Um, it tells you right here, memorandum of telephone conversation. It doesn't say transcript, it says memorandum of telephone conversation, okay? Then at the bottom, on, on, regardless of which news source you get this from, it's going to tell you this here at the bottom, caution. Because this is what the White House put out, okay? It tells you down here at the bottom, it says, caution. A memorandum of a telephone conversation is not a verbatim transcript of a discussion. The text in this document records the notes and recollections of Situation Room duty officers and National Security Council policy staff assigned to listen and memorialize the conversation in written form as the conversation takes place. So it tells you right here that it's not a transcript. So when I, when I see people at Donald Trump, at, at Trump rallies, Standing behind, standing behind them wearing t-shirts, they say, read the transcript. Then you have to ask the question, what transcript are they referring to? Because it tells you here this is not a transcript. And Trump has not released the actual verbatim transcript of the call. So you have to ask the question, why? The, the Daily Show on Comedy Central, they went out in the field, they went to a Trump rally, and uh, rawstory.com has an article about this, and actually on the 11th hour on MSNBC, Brian Williams did a segment on this a couple of nights ago. Okay, and we'll, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll play this clip uh, uh, on my show Sunday night. They went to a Trump rally. They interviewed three or four Trump supporters. They all said, read the transcript. So when the, when the correspondent asked them, have you read the transcript? They said, no, they hadn't read the transcript. They're just repeating what Trump said. And they called it a transcript. It's not a transcript. So a lot, of these, a lot of these people, if you just let them talk long enough, you'll find out they have no clue what the hell they're talking about. They're just repeating talking points they heard on Fox News and they heard from Trump. Because when you ask them what's in it, they can't tell you. The other thing is, if you look at the article, and I talked about this Sunday night, so be sure to go watch the Sunday night show because I, I, I go deep into this, okay? The eight times Trump urged Ukraine's leader to help with investigations. This is from abcnews.go.com. It's an analysis of that July 25th call. There were eight times in that call just from what, just from what the White House released. Because they didn't release the, the full call. Just from what they released, there were eight times in that July 25th call that Donald Trump urged Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky to investigate Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. And also the um, 
uh, Ukraine conspiracy the conspiracy theory about that the uh, uh, DNC server is in Ukraine. Okay, this right here. Read this as well. Okay, so uh, Representative Jim McGovern, Democrat from Massachusetts, went on to say, "Quote: The President of the United States endangered our national security. The President undermined our democracy. Betrayed his oath." to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Yes, he did. That's true. No one should be allowed to use the powers of the presidency to undermine our elections, period. Okay, Representative Jim McGovern said. All right. Now, we have to keep, we have to understand. The only reason why Trump is impeached is because African Americans, some, some, White people with some sense, some woke white people, Hispanics, Asians, voted in November 2018 midterm elections. And they voted Republicans out of office and voted Democrats to take control of the House of Representatives. That's the only reason why that's the only reason why he was impeached, because Democrats control the House of Representatives. That's the only reason why this happened. And he had to be impeached. The reason why is because the, the because of the U.S. Constitution, and everybody should go to loc.gov because unfortunately most people haven't read the Constitution. I'm looking at stuff people are posting on social media, things they're saying. I could tell either they never read it or don't understand what they read. Go to loc.gov, which is the Library of Congress website. loc.gov, search for U.S. Constitution. Go to archives.gov, search for U.S. Constitution. How you doing, Jessica, Shalanda? Tamikia, uh, Tamikia, is it Tamika or Tamikia? Okay, uh, Gisette. We people, uh, Americans are woefully ignorant of history and law, and history and law intersect. Okay, you're dealing with the Philadelphia condition, uh, Convention, you're dealing with the draft in the U.S. Constitution. Also, you got to read the Federalist Papers. So, the Federalist Papers, I talked about this Sunday, right. The Federalist Papers consist of 85 letters written to newspapers in the late 1780s to urge ratification of the U.S. Constitution. Because after the Constitution was signed September 17, 1787, there were 39 signers of the Constitution. Then it had to be ratified by three quarters of the state legislatures. Okay? And, and so uh, the ratification took place in 1788. But the drafters of the Constitution, are, are they're, they're writing letters and sending them to newspapers to be printed in newspapers so people can read it because different because the state legislatures have to vote on it so it's influencing people and explaining the constitution and different parts of the constitution so that the uh, members of the state legislatures will vote on it so when we look at amending the constitution there have been 27 amendments to the constitution and Part of the process to amend the Constitution is that after it passes the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate by a two-thirds majority vote, it also has to pass three-quarters of the state legislatures by a two-thirds majority vote as well. So when I hear people talking about they need to get rid of the 13th Amendment, well, there's a legal process to amend the Constitution. Most people don't understand the legal process to amend the Constitution. Part of that process means the state legislatures have to vote on it, which means you also have to vote for members of your state house of representatives and state senate. Because if you got the wrong people in the state house of representatives and the state senate, they're not going to vote on it. 
So those state, so the state houses are extremely important for a number of reasons. Not just that, but the state, but it's the state houses that redraw the district lines every ten years based upon the results of the U.S. Census. See, all this, most of these things, we don't understand any of this stuff. So you can get a book like this. So this is from Dover, Dover Books. I got this years ago. The Declaration of Independence and Other Great Documents of American History, 1775 to 1865. This is about $2, $2 when I got it, maybe 5 bucks, something like this. But it has all of them in there. Declaration of Independence, Gettysburg's, Gettysburg Address. Um, it has the U.S. Constitution. But you can go to loc.gov which is the Library of Congress website and uh, archives.gov, okay? Um, Udell said African Americans were slaves with the exception of a few when the Constitution came about. Do you think it applied to African Americans? Well, one, depending upon what your status was. Because if your status was more, yes, it applied to you. Because Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution specifically states that the U.S. Constitution, all the previous treaties and all the subsequent treaties are the supreme law of the land. We know there were mores here. How do we know? Read Chapter 2 of Before the Mayflower by Lerone Bennett Jr. He talks about the names that we had before Europeans got here. Moore, Blackamoor, Nagar, and Nagar. N-E-G-E-R and N-E-G-A-R. Not the N-word. There's something different. The whole way this thing evolves is totally different than what we think happened. The whole way this thing evolves is totally different than what actually happened. And then also there was a small population of free African Americans. But after the, uh, after the Civil War, you had a 13th, 14th, and 15th, 15th Amendments as well. Because quote-unquote African Americans, blacks, etc. are written into the Constitution. Okay, so um, let's continue here. But no, we don't understand history or law. Just like the Three-Fifths Compromise of 1787, uh, Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3 of the U.S. Constitution that people mistakenly think said we were three-fifths of a human being. That's not what that says. That's talking about for the purpose of taxation and apportionment. Apportionment determines how many seats in the House of Representatives different states will have. And they're trying to figure out how do you count the slave population. They're going back and forth. Some people say count half the population. Others say count three quarters of the population. The North is saying, well, if you the, the South wants the full population counted. The North Northern states are saying, well, if you count the full population, then uh, you're going to have an unfair advantage in the House of Representatives. You'll control most of the seats in the House of Representatives. You'll just be able to pass through whatever bills you want. So they agreed to count three-fifths of the population. It's not saying when you actually understand it and then you read the Federalist Papers and you study the history behind the words, it's not saying that they were three-fifths of a human being. That's a misunderstanding. And I love Malcolm. You see a picture of Malcolm behind me. But in 1963 at the University of Berkeley in California, Malcolm was interviewed and he said the Constitution said we were three-fifths of a human being. That's a, that's a total misunderstanding of history. But what 99% of the people don't say is Section 2 of the 14th Amendment corrected the way the count was taken. So the way to count, because it, it, it's dealing, once again, it's dealing with, it's dealing with determining how many seats in the House of Representatives 
a particular state would have. You're trying to, they're trying to figure out how you count the slave population. But at the same time, the full population of free African Americans was counted. This is something that people don't know. Well, a lot of people don't know. Um, so just very quickly here, if we look at uh, Article 1, Section 2, the House of Representatives shall be comprised, oh, no, no, skip down, Section 3, uh, representatives and direct taxes shall be apportioned shall be apportioned among the several states which may be included within this union according to their respective numbers which shall be determined by adding to the whole number of free persons including those bound to service for a term of years and excluding Indians not taxed three-fifths of all of the persons persons with a capital P it's not saying they were three-fifths of a human being it's dealing with how do you count that slave population in Virginia? How do you count that slave population in uh, Delaware, in Maryland? Do you count the full population? Do you count half the population? It's dealing with for the purpose of, it tells you specifically, for the purpose of taxation and representation. It says, it says representatives and direct taxes shall be apportioned. Apportioned is dealing with how do you count this? That's what that's dealing with. But, but when you read the Constitution, it has an asterisk there. It has an asterisk there for Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3. Why is the asterisk? Because Section 2 of the 14th Amendment corrected it. So the full population is counting. It's not saying they're three-fifths of a human being. Is counting the population for representation in the House of Representatives. That's what that's dealing with. For further ex explanation, because I don't have time to get deeper into this, read the article from the root.com that Dr. Um, what's his name? I forgot. I interviewed him. Um, he's written a number of books. Um, he's, a, uh, he's a history professor. But hold on, uh, read this article from uh, theroot.com. It goes deep into this. And this professor was speaking at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. I interviewed him on my show because uh, we were talking about Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, the history of Thomas Jefferson. He's written about 50 books, one of the books he wrote on Thomas Jefferson. Uh, but he wrote an article for theroot.com. It's probably the best article explaining this. Three-fifths clause, why its taint persists. Three-fifths clause, why its taint persists. And see, this is why I'm explaining to people who talk about a black agenda. To be able to put together a, 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 a black agenda, you need to understand history and law. Because the predicament that we in, uh, we're in right now is because of policies and laws. To, to and you're dealing with historical events and laws and policies help to shape these historical events Dr. Paul Finkelman um, Dr. Paul because I interviewed Dr. Paul Finkelman and this is one of the things that we discussed three-fifths clause why is taint persists he wrote an extensive article for the root.com 
It's probably one of the best articles I've seen dealing with this. Um, and he goes deep into this, okay? And he also deals with Thomas Jefferson winning uh, the presidency in the year 1800 because of the 12 electoral college votes associated with Virginia, okay? Because at the time, Virginia had the uh, largest population, and that was because of the slave population, okay? Because you had... At the time the Constitution was signed, you had northern states that had a larger population of free people. But southern states had a larger total population when you counted the enslaved Africans. Okay? And then um, the other thing is, is all these laws, all these policies and laws that we're dealing with right now, all this impacts African Americans, either positively or negatively. And one thing I explained, I just did a broadcast, I forgot which one it was because I'm doing so much. Um, some politicians do have a black agenda. They have an anti-black agenda. And an anti-black agenda is even worse than having a is even worse than not having a black agenda. I mean not having a positive black agenda. See, a lot of them, see, Donald Trump, when you study his policies, Donald Trump has an anti-black agenda. So those politicians like that are the first ones that have to be identified because you got to stop them. See, there's a difference between being indifferent to your condition or not really understanding your condition. Okay, there's a difference between that and purposely putting policies in place to hurt you, to do you harm. That's an anti-black agenda. So like 95% of the people who are here talking about a black agenda, they ain't talking about the, they, they're not talking about stopping the politicians who have an anti-black agenda. Even if, even if a candidate or a politician does not have a quote-unquote black agenda, their policies will still, they can still have policies that benefit you. You got to go read them. That's why I tell them all, all the, not just presidential candidates, but those running for Congress, U.S. House of Representatives, U.S. House of Representatives, U.S. Senate, because Congress is a co-equal branch of government. Most of the bills, unless it's an executive order, before the president signs it into law, it has to pass through Congress. We don't understand how important the U.S. House of Representatives and especially the U.S. Senate is, because the U.S. Senate is the one that confirms the Supreme Court justices, and they're the ones that confirm the federal judges. The federal judges. This is why Republicans work so hard to gain control of the U.S. Senate in 2014. Democrats lost control of the U.S. Senate in 2014. And they, they, and they haven't been able to get it back. This, and this is why uh, Mitch McConnell and Republicans in the Senate, working along with Donald Trump, are able to push, push uh, these, uh, these federal judges through. The American Bar Association has come out against some of these nominations and said these people are totally unqualified to be federal judges. And, and, and most of them are still getting approved because Republicans don't care. They're following an agenda. All right, so um, let's continue. So all, all of these candidates, I encourage you to read their policies at their websites. Okay? When you talk about criminal justice reform, when you talk about investing in education, Okay, 
any when you talk about climate change, all this stuff impacts African Americans. For instance, a lot of people don't know the U.S. prison population dropped to its lowest point in 20 years under President Obama. It dropped from 2.3 million down to 1.53 million, December of 2016. Not only that, the percentage of African Americans in prison dropped from 40 percent to 34 percent. This is being reversed under Trump, by the way. Read, uh, read the document, Progress of the African-American Community Under the Obama Administration. Is that whitehouse.gov? Trump hasn't taken it down yet. I got it around here somewhere. And it shows you how policies from the Obama Administration positively impacted African-Americans. Many of these are the policies that various groups, civil rights groups, things like this were fighting for. The Affordable Health Care Act, which Republicans are trying to kill right now, gave health care to 3 million non-elderly black people who did not already have health care. And what this did was this ex extended the, life exp the, the, the lifespan of many African Americans. A lot of people don't know this. Today, less people overall are covered, or less people overall today have health insurance than when President Obama left office because Republicans have been taking they've been taking away subsidies for uh, the Affordable Health Care Act. They've been trying to kill it. Uh, we saw the open enrollment just ended. You probably didn't see any commercials for open enrollment because last year Trump cut the budget, the marketing budget for open enrollment by 90 percent. And then they also they also reduced the number of days that you can enroll in the Affordable Health Care Act. They reduced that by 50 percent. Uh, so read this here. This is at uh, WhiteHouse.gov. Now, this was up during um, the Obama administration. Just a lot of people don't read it. Progress. Uh, I'll, I'll post the link here. Because every city I lecture in, I ask people how they read it and nobody's read it. I just I find that hard to believe. Okay. Yeah, it's still at whitehouse.gov. Trump must not know it's there. Okay, let's see here. All right, I'm going to continue here, and I'm going to get into um, the stuff with uh, Nancy Pelosi so we can see this. Uh, because this was something I saw it coming, but a lot of people didn't know what was happening. Because because uh, I I've seen a number of interviews with um, Harvard law professor Lawrence Tribe, who said that the House of Representatives can do this. Okay, all right. African American business owners supposed to name your business here on the thread of the broadcast. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network. Our current promotion is buy one month, uh, get one month free. Okay, a lot of people. Uh, want to get their financial house in order and they're looking at um, they want to do more with the money that they have and uh, working with John Ray John Ray can help you with this uh, his business is my econ uh, my econ and he has a concept that, he, that that is called income shifting okay income shifting and income shifting allows you to uh, take the money that you have uh, and, and it allows you to take your money back from those who are taking it from you. Okay, and that's thousands of dollars 
uh, that are lost oftentimes in a year. Uh, so income shifting is a group of financial strategies that allow John Ray to uh, go from living from paycheck to paycheck to investing and not focusing on where his next paycheck is coming from. Uh, visit workingwithjohnray.com, workingwithjohnray.com for more information. All right, if you're in the market for a newer used car, uh, visit Car Marshall. Okay, click on the link below. Uh, Car Marshall, you shop, we negotiate. Um, they have over 100,000 new and used cars uh, from dealers. Car Marshall, you shop, we negotiate. Click on the link below for Car Marshall. All right, let's see here. Um, everyone with the right to vote should exercise their right to vote. Yeah, that's true. Now, um, we have to vote strategically. Don't just vote. Vote strategically. When you vote, we have to vote based upon understanding how the policies of candidates are going to impact us, especially as a collective, not just individually. Because it, be, it could be beneficial to you individually and detrimental to your people. So we have, that's why we have to look at their policies and understand how their policies impact us. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement, okay? So when you talk about criminal justice, when you talk about the environment, when you talk about rolling back regulations, okay, regulations are usually put in place to protect people. When you look at the, um, every, every year, every September, the census comes out with a, uh, with a, um, a report on income and poverty, okay? There's, a, there's a, a census report that comes out every 10 years, but there's an annual census report that comes out every September that really shows you the impact that policies have, okay? So uh, Washington Post and New York Times have been um, writing a lot of articles dealing with different aspects of the census report that came out in 2019. So... There was one that dealt with uh, air quality. And under Trump, the quality of air across the country, not just in African-American communities or not just in white communities, but the quality of air has deteriorated over the past three years. This is tied to Trump rolling back regulations dealing with the environment that, come, that came from the Obama administration. And then... Uh, regulations from previous previous administrations that President Obama kept in place. Air pollution is getting worse and data show more people are dying. This is from uh, Washington Post. Ending, uh, sorry, eroding air quality was linked to 10,000 additional U.S. deaths over a two-year period. This article is from October 23rd, 2019. Air pollution worsened in the United States in 2017 and 2018. New data shows uh, a reversal after years of sustained improvement with significant implications for public health. In 2018 alone, eroding air uh, quality was linked to nearly 10,000 additional deaths in the U.S. Rel uh, relative to the 2016 benchmark, the year in which small particle uh, pollution reached a two-decade low, according to researchers at Carnegie Mellon uh, University. You, you can read the entire article, but all this 
impacts us, whether it's whether the policy says black or African American or not. All these policies impact us either usually either positively or negatively. And a lot of times it impacts us negatively, but we don't know it. Because we a lot of times these are policies we don't even know exist. Okay? Alright, so um, check out this article here. Also, if you like this type of information, you can donate to the African History Network, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, or at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, uh, pay the bills, helps us uh, finance our Sunday night show that I do uh, on 9, 10 a.m. the Superstation, WFDF, and we broadcast here on Facebook Live, so you see me in the radio studio. That's uh, that's our Sunday night show, okay? All right, let's continue here, and we post this information here. Okay, so uh, let's go back to this article here from uh, NBCNews.com. Uh, Trump impeached by the House for abuse of power, obstruction of Congress, all right? And Trump had to be held accountable, okay? Even if he's not removed from office. See, people have to understand, this is also about the future. Because 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 6 years from now, you can have another president that's even worse than Trump. You can have another president that's even worse than Trump. Maybe a Democrat, maybe a Republican, maybe an independent. Who knows? But if, but if Democrats did not hold this president accountable and impeach him, then, then in the future, another president can say, well, wait a second. When Democrats had control of the House of Representatives and they were dealing with Donald Trump with what he was doing with Ukraine and Russia and things like this, they didn't impeach him, so why are you trying to impeach me? So you, so you have to do that to hold a president accountable because we don't have a king. We don't have a monarch. During the American Revolution, the colonies were separating from King George III because they didn't want to be governed by a monarch. When you understand, when you understand the creation of the U.S. Constitution, it would it, they 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 put checks and balances in place because they were separating from a monarch and they were keeping that from happening again. They were keeping a monarch from happening again. Okay, so no man or woman is above the law. He had to be held accountable. He had to be checked, period. Otherwise, if you're saying that he cannot be held accountable, then you're saying he's a king. Okay, so let's continue. So some Republicans accuse Democrats of having plotted to impeach the president since he was elected. Um, and he got into office because of the Electoral College. Because I, I saw a, a number of Republicans once again on Wednesday during the 10-hour debate. And they were saying that Democrats are trying to overturn the will of the people. They're trying to deprive 63 million people of their vote. Well, um, Hillary Clinton got 2.9 million more votes than Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Let's keep it real. So uh, you can't say that that was the will of the people. No, it wasn't. 2.9 million, 3 million more people voted for Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. That was the will of the people. Okay, so it seems like some of the Republicans forgot that. So after Democrats took control of the House of Representatives January 3rd, 2019, that was, remember, during Donald Trump's 35-day partial government shutdown, 
Nancy Pelosi pushed back on lawmakers who have been advocating for impeachment. Because Nancy, Nancy Pelosi was very reluctant for impeachment because she knows it's divisive. It's a long process. So she was very reluctant for impeachment. But, you know, she said that Donald Trump was going to self-impeach. She said he was going to self-impeach, which meant his idiotic actions were going to leave Democrats no choice but to impeach him. And that's what happened. So Pelosi pushed back on lawmakers who had been advocating for impeachment, calling it, quote unquote, divisive and saying uh, of trying to remove uh, Trump, quote, he's just not worth it, end quote. That position changed in September 2019 after a whistleblower found uh, filed a complaint with the U.S. Senate and House Intelligence uh, Committee committees alleging that Donald Trump had used, quote, the power of his office to solicit interference from a foreign country in the 2020 election, end quote. So I saw a lot of Republicans saying we're too close to an election. We should leave this up to the voters. Well, wait a second. Trump is trying to steal an election. Trump is trying to get Ukraine to interfere in the 2020 election. And he's trying to get information to use to hurt his political opponent in the 2020 election. Trump is trying to steal an election. This is about holding him accountable and, and showing that no man is above the law, but it's also about preserving the integrity of the 2020 election. So when I hear Republicans say, let, let, let the, the people should vote, the, the, when I hear Republicans say, we should leave this, leave this up to the people in the 2020 election, well, you have to preserve the integrity of the election. What, what, what I find really odd, what I find really strange is that everybody knows if this was President Barack Obama, doing the same thing Trump's trying to do, you couldn't find a Republican that would justify that. You could not find a Republican who would say he should not be removed from office. If, the, if President Barack Obama called Vladimir Putin and said, we'll remove sanctions from you if you give me some dirt on Donald Trump, you could not find a Republican who would justify that. Period. We all know that. So on September 23rd, Donald Trump confirmed media reports that a call he had with the Ukrainian leader, Vladimir Zelensky, involved the Bidens and, and the withholding of aid, but he maintained that he had done nothing wrong. So what makes Republicans' job harder is Donald Trump admitted to all of this stuff. He admitted to withholding the aid. He admitted to, not only did he admit to uh, asking them to, asking Vladimir Zelensky, Ukraine, to investigate the Bidens. Not only that, on the White House line, he called for China to investigate uh, Joe Biden. That, once again, you're you openly asking for a foreign power to intervene in the election. So, Republicans can't say he didn't do it. Because he admitted he did it. 
he, he's like one of the dumbest criminals I've ever seen. Okay, so, quote, we want to make sure that, uh, that the country is honest. We, 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 sorry, we want to make sure that country is honest. It's very important to talk about corruption. If you don't talk about corruption, why would you give money to a country that you think is corrupt? Uh, Trump asked reporters. Now, Ukraine had already, Ukraine has corruption just like the U.S. has corruption, okay? You know, I mean, you know, talking about the pot calling the kettle black. Donald Trump talking about vetting somebody for corruption, okay? But Ukraine had already been approved by the Department of Defense to release the funds that were voted on and approved by Congress to go to Ukraine, okay? So Nancy Pelosi announced the next day that she, and let me find this here, uh, Let's find this here because I've got it. I've got the article up here also. Just a second here. All right, how's everybody doing? Everybody share this broadcast on your Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in because this type of information I'm breaking down here. You're not gonna you're not gonna find a lot of other places, okay? And um, you know you have to also understand history and understand law. Now the reason why I knew. Trump was going to be impeached. I said this going back to January 2017. The reason why I knew, because I had studied Watergate. I studied Watergate from the break-in to August 8th, 1974, Richard Nixon having a press conference uh, at the White House announcing that he was resigning from office the next day, 12 noon. So because of my analysis of in studying Watergate, I already knew what was going to happen with Trump. Okay, so Pelosi announced the next day um, that she was launching a formal impeachment inquiry on uh, that Wednesday, uh, on Wednesday night after the vote, she suggested that she was not yet ready to send the two impeachment articles to the U.S. Senate for its for its trial, saying she needed to know more about the Senate's rules for the trial before she would transmit the articles. Only then could the U.S. Senate begin its trial. Okay, so. Hearings before the House Intelligence Committee featured uh, testimony from current and former administration officials who said that Donald Trump had been uh, had, had, had been turned against Ukraine by his, quote, hand grenade of a lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. I mean, Rudy Giuliani. OK, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani is another, another dumb crook as well. OK, because I mean, I mean, do, this right, see, uh, Trump is in no place, he's in no position to point to another country and talk about corruption. He's, he, you look at Rudy Giuliani, and the question people are asking is, wait a second, who's paying for Giuliani to go back and forth to Ukraine? Where's his money coming from? Then we see, um, then we see his partner that got busted, Lev. They just found out he got a million dollars, apparently, from Russians. And it didn't, come to, it didn't come into his bank account. It went to his wife's bank account. This was one of the guys they called at the airport with a one-way ticket out of the country. Associates of Rudy Giuliani. And, and, and the feds called him at the airport. Right? They arrested him at the airport. They had a one-way ticket out of the country. The, the, 
So it, we've never seen blatant open corruption like this on this level, you know, like in recent times. I mean, this is unbelievable here. And this is this guy is the personal attorney of Trump. Now, who was Trump's former personal attorney? Michael Cohen. Where's Michael Cohen right now? In prison. I said this before. I think Rudy Giuliani should really go and go visit Michael Cohen in prison. Put some money on his books. Have a real long conversation with him. Because, see, Michael Cohen was Trump's attorney for 10 years. He was Trump's attorney much longer than Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani going to end up in a prison cell next to Michael Cohen. So, so hearings before the House Intelligence Committee featured testimony from current and former administration officials who said that uh, Donald Trump had been turned against Ukraine by his hand grenade of a lawyer, Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, and that they were never given a reason to freeze the aid to Ukraine. Keep in mind, Ukraine needs his aid to fight against Russia because Russia attacked Ukraine in 2014 and annexed Crimea from Ukraine this is why Russia was kicked out of the G8 so when you analyze all this stuff all roads lead back to Vladimir Putin in Russia when you when you analyze all this around every corner is a Russian so you have to figure out well, what the hell's going on. The money was released on September 11th amid bipartisan pushback from Congress. But all the money wasn't even released then. It's still about $20 million that hasn't been released. Keep in mind, Trump only released the money after the whistleblower came, after the whistleblower filed the complaint, one. Two, U.S. The, uh, Democrats in the House of Representatives uh, launched an investigation. After it became public, and Trump got caught, then he released the money. So Donald Trump maintained that a summary of his twenty of his July twenty fifth call, the July twenty fifth phone conversation with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky showed that their talk was perfect. No, it's not. Democrats said the summary showed him pressuring the head of a country reliant on on U.S. help. Of USA to help him politically. This right here, this this lays out eight times that he pressured uh, Vladimir Zelensky to launch an investigation. So Donald Trump is the third president, and once again, read this article. Read this here. This is from ABCNews.go.com. I'll post the link here. The eight times Trump urged Ukraine's leader to help with investigations. The eight times. Trump urged Ukraine's leader to help with investigations. Okay? That's eight times in this one call. That's what we know about. So I don't think I don't think Trump like actually read this, this memo of the call. I don't think he actually read this before he had them release it. Because this is incriminating. Okay, so Donald Trump is the third president to be impeached in the nation's 243-year history. The two previous impeachments were also led by House Republicans. Andrew Johnson was impeached in 1868 in part for replacing a cabinet member without the advice and consent of the U.S. Senate. Now remember, so Andrew Johnson was uh, Abraham Lincoln's vice president. So Lincoln gets uh, shot April 14th 
1865 at the Ford Theater by John Wilkes Booth. He dies the next morning at 7.22 a.m. This is before the Civil War ends. Civil War officially ends uh, June 2nd, 1865. Uh, Johnson is going to, um, uh, who, who's vice president, becomes president, and Johnson is sympathetic to the South, the slave owners, things like this. So when we look at, um, he, Johnson's going to give a blanket pardon to the Confederacy after the Civil War ends. And the majority of the land that is giving that is given to uh, the former uh, enslaved Africans uh, in Special Field Order Number 15, or what is ostensibly known as 40 Acres and the Mule, he's going to take most of his land back and give it back to the former slave owners. Okay, now, 40 Acres and the Mule did not give land to most former slaves. That only that applied to coastal land in Georgia, South Carolina, and Florida. It wasn't land all in the South. It applied to coastal land in Georgia, South Carolina, and Florida. And it applied to about 400,000 acres of land. Okay, uh, It ends up going to about 40,000 uh, families. Okay, It's about 40,000 families or so. But it's, it's um, the, the, the land was cut up basically into 40 acre plots okay so it did it did not apply to all of the former slaves okay uh, approximately four million no uh, blackpast.org has a good article dealing with uh, 40 acres in the mule uh, blackpast.org p-a-s-t they have a good article dealing with 40 acres in the mule all right so uh, let me continue here. Okay, so you have Andrew Johnson, and then uh, Bill Clinton was impeached on December nineteenth, nineteen ninety-eight, for perjury and obstruction of justice for lying under oath about an extramarital affair. So we know he lied about, you know, extramarital affair with Monica Lewinsky. Okay, and Monica Lewinsky, you know, I, I think she was really unjustly vilified for years you know after after what happened okay um but uh now the difference between bill clinton and donald trump one of the differences is is bill clinton apologized and bill clinton apologized a number of times for it, for for what he did and for lying under oath donald trump won't even acknowledge that he did something wrong bill clinton apologized for his conduct before he was impeached something that trump who was then in private business said was a mistake. Donald Trump told Chris Matthews, who hosts Hardball on MSNBC, he told Chris Matthews in 1998 that Bill Clinton should not have cooperated with the investigation and should never have said he was sorry. Okay, he, uh, Donald Trump in 1998 said, "Quote: Go after your enemies. I mean, they're after you." Okay, I think that Clinton probably is too nice a guy in a certain respect. I think that's one of the things that happened. Now, both President Andrew Johnson and President Bill Clinton were acquitted in the U.S. Senate where a two-thirds vote is required for conviction and removal from office. You need 67. So there were 100 U.S. Senators. You need 67 votes to convict in the Senate. So, but, but however, even though Bill Clinton was not convicted in the U.S. Senate, 
he still is an impeached president because he was impeached in the House of Representatives. Not only that, when Al Gore, his vice president, ran for president uh, in 2000, because Bill Clinton was stained as an impeached president, he couldn't campaign for Al Gore and help Al Gore in the election because he had that stain on him. That stain is permanent. So in the current U.S. Senate, leadership was already tangling over the next phase. Um, of, of Trump's impeachment trial. Senator Majority Leader uh, Moscow Mitch McConnell, Republican from Kentucky, who is up for re-election in 2020 and must be voted out of office in 2020, he said last week that he was working, quote-unquote, in total coordination, in total coordination with the House, uh, with, with the White House, and he said, quote, my hope is there won't be a single Republican who votes for either of these articles of impeachment, end quote. Now, Let's compare. Let's do a comparison. Nancy Pelosi said that she was leaving it up to her members, the, the, to the Democrats, leaving it up to each one of them to vote based upon their conscience. Okay, she, she said it's an individual vote. She was leaving it up to them to vote based upon their conscience. Here, you have. Uh, uh, Mitch McConnell saying, I hope there won't be a single Republican who votes either for either of these uh, articles of impeachment. Now, on Wednesday, Mitch McConnell took to the Senate floor to push back against minority leader uh, Senator Chuck Schumer's call to have witnesses testify in the case because Mitch McConnell doesn't want any witnesses. So if you don't want any, if, if there are witnesses who can exonerate Trump, why wouldn't you want millions of people to hear from these witnesses? You only don't want to hear from witnesses when you think they have information that's going to incriminate your boy. So, Mitch McConnell said, "Quote his decision to try to uh, uh, his decision to try to angrily negotiate through the press is unfortunate." Senator Mitch McConnell said. Senator Chuck Schumer, Democrat of New York, stood by his request on the uh, Senate floor saying, quote, I have yet to hear an explanation why less evidence is better than more evidence, particularly when it comes to something as somber, as serious, as important as impeachment of the president of the United States of America. So some people, some people are going back to 98 when Chuck Schumer was in the House of Representatives and running for the U.S. Senate during the impeachment of Bill Clinton. And Chuck Schumer said that he didn't need to hear from, uh, uh, he didn't want any more witnesses or didn't need to hear from witnesses, something like that. He was asked about that by Chris Hayes, I think it was Tuesday night, sort of been the 17th. December 17, 2019, on All In With Chris Hayes on MSNBC. And we posted, we, uh, I know on my personal page, Michael M. Hotep, I posted it, the uh, clip, and we'll post it here on the thread of the broadcast. Senator Chuck Schumer was saying what he was talking about was that he was talking about the trial in the Senate, and we don't need to hear from witnesses in the trial in the Senate. We don't need to hear from the same witnesses we heard from in the House of Representatives. He wasn't saying we don't need to hear from witnesses. Okay? So people who want to use that 
from 98 and say, oh, he is saying something different today. No, he's not. What he's talking about here in the Senate trial is hearing from witnesses we didn't hear from in the House of Representatives. Because Trump is blocking these people from testifying. And, he's, and, and some of these people were on the July 25th phone call. All right, so let's look at, so let me give you this article here. Uh, read this one. This is from the uh, NBCnews.com. And I ain't planning to be, really, I didn't plan to be on this long. I really, really didn't. But this information is deep, and a lot of our people don't understand history, don't understand law, things like this. So um, I ended up being on here, like, a lot longer than I thought I was going to be. Uh, but it's just so much information. And this is, I study this stuff like daily, uh, as you can probably tell. So I'm going to give you this link to this article here from NBC News. I'm going to deal with one more, just deal with Nancy Pelosi a little bit here, this uh, other article dealing with transmitting the articles of impeachment over to the U.S. Senate. But very quickly, because I, I, have, I have a bunch of stuff here. I mean, this is, I, I have five folders on this type of information, right? But this, this is just stuff here. You know, I read the, I get the MSNBC Daily News also with the recap of what happens. Because I, I monitor about 35 different news sources on a daily basis. MSNBC is just one of them, okay? So I get emails from different news outlets throughout the day, all right? But if you want to, um, if you go to MSNBC.com, you can sign up for their daily newsletter the MSNBC daily newsletter that comes out usually in the morning about no this one comes out early in the morning because I'm still up it comes out about 1230 in the morning 1 a.m. and it gives a recap of the news from the previous day okay and it puts it all there in one newsletter um, some people talk about high crimes and misdemeanors but don't really know what the hell that is because they think that's pertaining to federal criminal statute Okay, it could but doesn't have to because federal criminal statute didn't exist when the Constitution was was written in 1787. So if we look at uh, New York Times has a, a, a really good uh, piece from Charlie Savage, how the impeachment process works, how the impeachment process works. It was originally published September 24, 2019, updated December 10th, 2019. And one of the things they talk about here is what is a high crime? What is a high crime? The term high crimes and misdemeanors came out of the British common law tradition. Why? Because the, the 13 colonies are separating from Great Britain. Okay? So high crime, the term high crimes and misdemeanors came out of the British common law tradition. It was the sort of offense that Parliament cited in removing crown officials for centuries. Essentially, it means an abuse of power by a high-level public official, it doesn't mean that you actually create. It doesn't mean that you actually committed a felony or a misdemeanor. So one of the arguments that some of the Republicans were making is, well, abuse of power this is not a criminal crime. It's not a crime in the federal statute. Impeachment in the Senate trial is not a criminal trial. It is a political process. So it doesn't have to be a felony. It doesn't have to be something that is in federal criminal statute. It doesn't have to be something from the U.S. Penal Code. Okay? 
it, uh, it, it could be an abuse of power, which, would, which is one of the highest crimes, if not the highest crime, abusing the power of the presidency. So the term high crimes and misdemeanors came out of uh, the British common law. It was the sort of offense that Parliament cited in removing crown officials for centuries. Essentially, it means an abuse of power by a high-level public official. This does not necessarily have to be a violation of an ordinary criminal statute. In 1788, as supporters of the U.S. Constitution were urging states to ratify the document, that's the ratification process. Alexander Hamilton described impeachable crimes in one of the Federalist Papers. There are 85 Federalist Papers. Read this article from History.com. History.com is the official website of the History Channel. Federalist Papers. This is all about the Federalist Papers, explaining what it is. Because most Americans, period, not just African Americans, most Americans don't know what the hell this is. That's the, that's, it, the Federalist Papers explains... The U.S. Constitution. 